Moving into our series that we're in, The Journey in Truth. And please remember, the part that I'm in right now is in the book of James. And I want to remind all of us that James is writing to believers. And so as we read the scripture, we must be reminded he's not writing this to the world. He's writing this to believers. And so the the question comes up from verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read in a minute in chapter 4 of James. What right do we have? So let's look at the scripture and see what it says. Brothers and sisters. Anybody here? Brothers and sisters. That's us. Okay. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping the law, but you're setting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you who are, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, okay, again, remember that he's talking to believers. So if you're here today and you're a believer, he is talking to you. He's talking to me. To all of us who are in Christ, that there is a, if you want to call it, a code of conduct. In fact, in Matthew chapter 22, the scripture I have today, and everything's not going to be up there, but I so many verses that are very familiar Matthew 22, 37 through 39. This is what it all comes from. When Jesus was asked, what is the most important? What is primary? What's over everything else? He says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He then says, everything hinges. In fact, he says, the whole law depends on these two commandments. And by the way, they are commandments. They're not humble suggestions from a holy God. The only way that is even possible for us is as we are surrendered to the work and the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, as I was working on this, I I realized one of the reasons that we um, tend to be critical and judgmental toward others is because they have done something to us or said something to us that has offended us or hurt us. And I went back to Bill's message a few weeks ago where we have to forgive. And again, it's saying to us that we are to forgive others as we have been forgiven. Because if we do not deal with the issues at hand, they will simmer, they will fester, and they will become bitterness within our heart and our soul and prevent us from enjoying the life that God has created for us to live. So in Ephesians chapter 4, please write these scriptures down and take some time if you would to go back and look at these and see If there's uh, something more that God would have for you, because obviously I'm not going to get all the juice and all the goody out of it today. But in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 29, it says, 
Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now, another way of looking at this verse, I think, is we want to be careful how we speak. Isn't that what it's saying? In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, it says, If you talk too much, you're going to find yourself in sin. Do you hear that? In other words, we need to learn how to fast our words. Some of us are doing the fast uh, for the uh, Palmetto Center in Rock Hill because we're standing against abortion in a spiritual warfare. But learn to fast your words and, and say, okay, what I'm getting ready to speak, does it go through the grid that the Apostle Paul has given us here in Ephesians 4, or even does it go through the grid of what Jesus said in Matthew 22? Here's the thing for us as believers, and particularly as we do this series on journey and truth, our grid has to be the Word of God. It can't be, I get up one day and I have a really bad day, I feel bad, and because I do, I'm going to take it out on somebody. That's not how the Christian life is to be lived. Or it could be the other way. I'm getting up this morning. I feel great. I'm going to be nice to everybody. But what if it is the very fact that we are living out the kingdom of God, which is in Romans chapter 14 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that this is what's happening every day that we live and wherever we are. Not just these moments that we're here together in this building, but whatever we're doing in life and all that life has to offer for us and all that God has provided for us, we're walking it out and we're glorifying Him in the name of Christ. So with that all being said, we're going to move into now, how do we handle the fact that sometimes there are difficulties in relationships? It happens. How many of you in here, well, you will show of hands, how many in here have ever had a conflict with your mate? 100%. You know, if we're living and breathing, oh, I, I, you can put your hand down now. Okay, just, I was getting a lot of waves back there in the back. I'm thinking, okay, we know something's going on. If you're living and you're breathing, we're two human beings And yes, here we do believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, which means they're different. I can't tell you how grateful I am that my wife is different than I am. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I first got married, I didn't know what that meant. I thought that was just biology. But it's way more than that. Her thought process, her processing is so much different than mine. And I've worked, now we've been married 50 years. I've worked hard for 50 years to get her to change to mine. 
And guess what? It hasn't happened. And guess what? Give us another 50 and it won't happen still. But that is by the design of God because together, if we're doing this as God designed us, it will work together. So my point is there's difficulty in relationships. So how do we handle them? So let's let the scripture be our grid and go to Matthew chapter 7, if you would please, and verses 1 through 5. Do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it shall be measured to you. So it says, if you decide that you're going to be one of those people who's going to judge other people, and we all do it, then that same measure of judgment God will put on us. And then it says... And why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye? That can be sister's eye too. But do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Now here's here's what I want you to get from this. Anytime God allows us to see something in someone else's life, and yes, he does. And sometimes what we see in their life is very real and it's there and it needs to be dealt with. But at the same time, what God has done is he has provided for us a moment of pause to look at our own lives and say, wait a minute, is that why I'm seeing that in that person's life? Is God taking this opportunity to reveal to me something in my life that I've been unwilling to address? See, it doesn't say he doesn't want you to help the other person. In fact, he says he does want you to help the other person, but he wants you to take care of your own life first. That's why we're so careful when we pray for people, things like that, that we're going to be very careful how we do this because we're not trying to impose on somebody else the junk that's in us. Clean it up. Confess it. Repent of it. Whatever's required of God to be taken care of, it means to go to that person and make it right, to ask forgiveness, and you do that. It goes on. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in mine. You hypocrite. See, that's back to let's look at this thing honestly and truthfully. Let's let the word of God be the grid that we run it through. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You see, again, he's not prohibiting relationship building through and even when there's conflict and there's a rub on things but what he's saying is there's a way to do this if we do it well and it means we come to God and we say God look at me first show me my heart is open to you my life is open to you what do you want in this circumstance in this situation for my life before I even have the nerve or dare to speak to someone else now Let's suppose you've done that. And I pray to God you have. Well, go to Matthew 18. Beginning in verse 15. It says, and if your brother, again, sister too. Okay, it's not gender bias. It's just the writing of the scripture. And if your brother sins, go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you've won a brother. See, this is all about reconciliation and restoration. This is not about exposure. It's not about, you know, wrecking somebody else's life. It's about 
Those of us in the body of Christ, remember Jesus said to his disciples on the night before he was taken into captivity and then uh, was crucified the next day. He said, this world will take notice of the fact that I am who I say I am by the love that you have for one another. Now, again, that doesn't excuse bad behavior. That doesn't excuse sin at all. In fact, he died for all of our sin. But what it does is it helps us understand we want to make sure we have done everything, everything, everything that God has told us to do so that these relationships can be honoring to God because that world out there that's getting darker and darker and darker can see the light that God has put in us as we do life every day. So he goes on and says, But if you, if he, that means your brother, does not listen to you, Take one or two more with you so that the, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. See, that's the other thing. When we do this and do it God's way, we may find out that we really had a misunderstanding of this whole thing. I mean, when we take the time and put in the effort, first of all, in prayer, because that's the key to the whole thing. That's the key to the whole Christian experience and Christian life is we've got to make sure that we maintain the relationship with God that we ought to have. Otherwise, we're, we're stumbling and fumbling along trying to make something happen that's not going to happen because it really truly can only be done through the work and person of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on and says, but if they refuse to listen, tell them, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, see, what he's saying is, this is so absolutely important that even the whole church should be involved. And see, there used to be a time when people actually had secrets. Does that exist now with all the media, social media? It's like, when, I'm not on social media, okay? Just so you know. Yeah, you're one of those old guys. No, I, what I've heard about it, and, and, I, and I, every time I say it, I look back at Tommy, because Tommy and other people use social media for a ministry. I don't have that ministry. And so I just stay off social media because I've heard so many negative things about it. Do you know? So, and, and see, sometimes what they do is, when you guys, please listen carefully when I'm getting ready to say when you guys are dumb enough to put your junk out there for everybody to see, guess what? They see it. Like, really? The things that people tell me, again, I don't take the time to investigate. I'm not going to. But say, you ain't going to believe what this person put on. They can, I hope to goodness they didn't do that. But sometimes they do. But all the time, the scripture that I've given you is about reconciliation and restoration so that the body of Christ can live in such a way that we're not talking about one another, we're not criticizing one another, we're not judging one another, but instead we are truly doing what Paul says in Ephesians 4. We're doing everything we can to encourage them, to help them to grow and mature in their relationship with Christ. Well, then there's the other side of that, Matthew chapter 5. Is when you are the offender. Anybody in here ever been the offender? Six of us. Oh, okay. I'm a little surprised by that, to be honest. I thought it'd be a higher, higher number. 
Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, verses 23 and 24. If therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. See, it talks about those who are offending, and then those who are offended. And there's a way from the scripture for us to walk through this if we're willing to take the time and the effort. Now, typically we're not. We just want to, you know, we want to smack somebody. In fact, I, I loved it this week. I was reading. I loved it. I guess maybe I shouldn't have loved it. Anyway, I was reading this week and, 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 and one guy said, yes. And we, when we pray for people and, and we get to that place that we're so spiritual, we just say, Lord, I'm just going to turn them over to you. Now, what you're really saying is, Lord, please kill them as quick as you can. None of you have ever prayed like that. But anyway, he was, he was making a point. And now here we get this little rub. Now we're moved into a culture that is so doggone ultra sensitive. In fact, someone recently told me that their Facebook page was taken down. Listen to this now. Their Facebook page was taken down because they used the word snowflakes. Because people are so sensitive now, they're called snowflakes. I grew up in the Midwest. We had a lot of snowflakes, but they were out in the yard on top of the house, you know, as they fell in a snowstorm. But now the term in our culture has been applied to those who are so sensitive that you can't say, if, please forgive me. I'll ask forgiveness before I do it. If you're a snowflake, quit being a snowflake. Don't be so ultra-sensitive. And you say, well, what's the measure on that? I don't know. Just don't be a snowflake. Where everybody who says something to you... <laughs> I remember one time in counseling. This person said, I'm just tired of everybody telling me I'm oversensitive." It took me a long time to think through that. Well, you know, if everybody's telling you that, it might be because it's true. I mean, it's not maybe necessarily right for them to do that. But if you keep hearing it, you need to pay attention. Why am I responding as I do? And why do people see me in that light? All of this is for us as children of God to walk out as James is talking about in his writing. And there's so much, by the way, in James about the tongue. He says, no man can tame the tongue. When our oldest daughter, Bradley, went to the orthodontist, he's getting ready to put an apparatus apparatus in her mouth. And he explains to us what it is, and it's horrible. And I said, why are you doing that? He says, because I'm going to tame her tongue. I said, no, you're not. You know, they're not used to people telling them no. I said, no, you're not. He goes, well, how can you say that? I said, because it's in the scripture in the book of James chapter 3. No man can tame the tongue. He goes, really? That's in the Bible? I didn't know that was in there. Yeah, it's in the Bible. And guess what? I was right. The apparatus, apparatus that they put in, which was horrible, did not tame her tongue. The only way this is ever going to work is that we surrender ourselves to the person of the Holy Spirit. And let him work in our lives and through our lives so that the kingdom of God of righteousness, peace, and joy can be lived out 
in all of us every day that we live. It's that simple. But if you are, and I'm going to come back and talk about this again next week some. If you're still holding on to unforgiveness, I can promise you your thoughts and your comments toward the person or persons that you have something against. And again, it may be legitimate. I'm not saying that you didn't get hurt because many we're in a hurtful world. But you're going to have to decide to forgive. These precious children that we did the dedication for a while ago, every family, my family, your family, there are, there are generational blessings that come down the generational line. And we need to uncover, discover, unpack those as best we can in the life of every one of our children. But there's also generational curses that come down the line. And we have to be spiritually minded enough to identify what those are in our line and deal with them because somebody's got to break it. Somebody's got to break it. You may have, for example, addiction coming down your line. You be the one that breaks it. It could be a a myriad of things. But at the same time, you know, I look and and I see all, I can see all the negative stuff that came down my line. Goodness gracious. Um, uh, we had plenty, and, and we could have shared some. We had so much to go around. But I look at the generational blessings, too. Because I look back at my grandmother, who was such a godly woman. Not a perfect woman, but a godly woman. And she just loved God. And and that was her expression in life, was to share her reality of loving God. Is that not a great blessing, generational blessing to come down? And so for those who don't know, uh, my grandmother, Granny Bishop, uh, had prayed for years. She had five sons that one of them would be called into the ministry. And so when God called me in the ministry and my dad and none of my uncles had been called in, I go by to visit my grandmother and explain to her what God had done. She goes, well, praise God. She goes, you know, I prayed for a son, but if God gave me a grandson in the ministry, then praise God that I have a grandson. But to show you how cool God was, after my grandmother died, my dad was called in the ministry and served as pastor for a number of years before his death. There's so much stuff there for us. If we would, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, maybe we need to fast our words, and we do. Maybe there's some other things in our lives we need to fast, like television or uh, media, any media. See. Let me give you some time, God. I, I've reinstalled a discipline in my life that I had for years and years, and, and I kind of let it go. And, and we, we sometimes we get careless or we get busy, whatever. No excuse. I just did it. But used to, I would have every day time in Psalms 145 through Psalms 150. Because those six Psalms are all Psalms of praise. And every day, those of us in ministry, we deal with problems and situations and circumstances that can be difficult. And if we're not focused on him as we should be, we will not see the other things as we should. And so it's just been good for me just to move back in that discipline and say, Lord, I'm going to take this time every day to spend time with you just reciting how wonderful you are, how amazing you are. And how it is my joy and delight to praise you. And one of the, the cool things about it is it talks about singing praise. And 
I'm playing instruments of praise. I'm thinking, God, I can't do either one of those. I really can't. And, and if, if I showed you, you would know. But what I can do is just lift my voice in praise to him of how good and wonderful and gracious and kind and merciful he is to me every day. His mercies are new every day. And I get to enjoy those and receive those and be blessed by those. Would you please? Take the lesson today. Well, let's just pray. Father, thank you that you would take this lesson today and you would allow us the work and presence of the Holy Spirit to not just have heard something, but to do something with the truth that you've given us. And my prayer for me, God, is I haven't gotten in your way today, that I haven't mucked it up. But that we truly, as a body of believers in this world that is so skewed away from you, that we will live the truth, walk the truth, reveal the truth. So that others can get to know you, God. Because we have so many in our world who are so desperate. Help us. Help them. In Jesus' name. Amen.